Welcome to the Jackets Online podcast. I'm Kelly Quinlan. I'm joined, as always, by our editor and recruiting guru, Russell Johnson. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Georgia Tech's uh, 2020 recruiting class, including transfers and everything else, and then kind of what's going on now as we hit this month of January and we're in the midst of the coaching um, movement section of the, uh, the the year where we see all this coaching movement guys leaving as soon as signing days over all kinds of dominoes falling. And then the transfer portals like basketball levels right now uh, in terms of uh, the level of kids in it and the amount of kids. So Russell kind of uh, let's walk back uh, three weeks to signing day, I guess three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago. And just kind of what are your thoughts as you kind of look at this whole class from Georgia Tech? I think that, uh, you know, the, the 2021 class, it was um, it, it was a strange one, and it, it still is. Um, what, what we're seeing now with the uh, transfer portal completely taking off and blowing up every day, it seems like it's, it's hard for the, um, the official rivals transfer portal account to even keep up with all of the kids entering the portal and, and trying to find their stats and everything before they post their, their tweets and all that. Um, but, you know, getting back to the Georgia Tech's 2021 class, I thought, you know, the, the early priority and the priority all along was four-star in-state linebacker, Trenelius Tatum, and, and they were able to flip him late. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we ever got to talk about him on a podcast, um, but, but Tatum missed his senior season with uh, a little bit of some cartilage issues in his knee. And uh, he's supposed to be um, f- almost fully recovered. It's unclear whether or not he's going to be you know, fully cleared for, for spring ball or not, even if spring ball does happen. Um, but like I said, you know, Lennon him was, was really big. And then, you know, finding more bodies on the offensive and defensive lines, um, the offensive line, they were able to get left, which, and then um, here pretty shortly, um, Weston Franklin will be enrolling on campus with the rest of the early enrollees. Um, I, w- I would say those were the two, you know, really big points. But but Tatum was the the top target from the start, the the middle, and the finish. And um, in an interview that will go up later this week or maybe early next week on Jackets Online, you know, Tatum went and talked to me about the the timing of his decision and how close he came to flipping it several other times in his recruitment. So it wasn't like, you know, Kelly or myself were ever, you know, full of anything. We kind of knew what we were talking about with that recruitment. You mean like when I put his future cast in in April and never changed it? That's, yeah, that's exactly. And caught grief the entire time about it and said that I feel good about what's going to happen here ultimately at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, Tatum's a big get. I mean, linebacker's been a, a major position of need. It's been a just a struggle of the guys, David Curry and Quez Jackson and, and, you know, the other guys they've played since they've been, since coach Collins and staff have been here, have done a nice job. They just have any depth. Like it's not a knock on Quez or David Curry or any of his other guys. They just haven't had a lot of bodies to rotate in there. Demetrius Knight tried out. He's, you know, sliding back to quarterback now. Um, Bruce Jordan Swilling tried there and realized he wanted to be a running back. Finally, they tried Jerry Howard for a couple of games. That didn't really do it much and then the two you know they had three freshmen two of them were hurt uh during the year or out with stuff and kai Wright and and um katavian franks and then tyson miguez just didn't get in the game much because the games were in hand or out of control they tech was in most of the games this year except for clemson and notre dame so there wasn't a lot of opportunity to sprinkle that kid in and he missed some time as well so yeah, it's, it's a tough situation. They needed an upgrade there. They got him. They get the kid um, from Maryland. What's his name, Russell? I'm blanking out. Day Ely. I wanted you to say it. I just wanted to hear you say it. Um, <laughs> it's a little test for you. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, they added him in the transfer portal to, to give them a veteran body because you do need a veteran body at the linebacker position. Tatum, you know, hopefully give you the opportunity. The big thing here, too, is – um, the summer workouts weren't the same as they would normally be. So Tyson, Katavian, Kai Wright, those guys didn't get their normal off-season workout run up into the season. They started even a month later than they normally would have. So hopefully they can get a full spring in here, get Tatum rehabbed, get him up to speed. That gives you four young linebackers plus an Ely kid. 
to mix in with Quiz Jackson and Charlie Thomas, who they've moved back to linebacker. So I, that's the most they've had to work with just in terms of bodies on scholarship in a long time. Um, and, you know, you got to feel good about that. I feel like they've done a nice job, as you've talked about, addressing the offensive line. You bring Devin Cochran back now for real. Um, yeah, he, he gives for real, him, for real gives you a left tackle that can come in and start day one. They added Nick Penley from Mississippi state as a transfer who can give you that guard position that, you know, losing Jack to four Penley can step in and give you that left guard spot along with Kenny Cooper or Mike may or whoever they want to mix in there, but he gives you a guy that they feel comfortable with playing out on the rip. And then, um, you kind of look around the other position I thought they needed to help at is wide receiver just because they're very young and don't have a lot of guys uh, who I consider maybe big play kind of receivers. And the guys they had that are like that are sort of slot guys. Like I think Avery Boyd's a slot. And I think that, you know, obviously Nate McCollum is one. Those are two explosive players. Ryan King has a lot of opportunity ahead of him. It'll be interesting to see what he looks like. He actually looked pretty good in the little bit he played before he got hurt. Yeah. Now you add Leo Blackburn, who gives you that hybrid, almost H-back kind of thing. That a lot, very similar to Jalen Camp and P.J. Harris, right, who are on the team now. But uh, much better ball skills coming out of high school than either of those two guys. And, that, and probably a higher ceiling. And then you add James Blackstrain. Uh, who's a really dynamic kid. I'm very excited about kind of seeing on the field. I think he's under undervalued as a recruit because he got hurt um, and missed his junior year, right? And then – Yeah, um, he missed his entire junior year. Then you have Malik and, and, and Jamal in the slot who now you – you know, now you're five, six deep there. And they do run some double slot uh, stuff. So when you – can can do that and, and not be worried about it and have some bodies back there. It makes things a lot more interesting. A lot of guys that can help in the return game. And if you look at kind of where the ads have been, they've been very kind of much more strategic this time around getting Keon white on the defensive line. It, to me, he is like signing a four-star defensive end, right? He might have one or two years, but he's right. a guy that you cut on the tape. He's a freak. And his body's much more mature because he's an older kid. He's got three years of college strength and conditioning under his belt. So with him, that's a, you know, as excited as people were about Antonius Clayton, this to me is a much um, more interesting signing because this is a kid who has produced on the field against ACC teams, has put up some good numbers uh, after making the transition from being a tight end to defensive end. And um, I'm excited to see him. I think he's kind of a freaky athlete and there were a lot of teams trying to compete to get that kid. And then they get Kenyatta Watson who gives them sort of a bridge player can play corner, can play nickel safety. He can play all, he can play all of the spots in the secondary um, pretty comfortably if you need him to. So, and you know, you get that recruiting bonus from him too. And he's just a kind of an interesting kid and, and a fun personality. And I think he's, a good fit for the program. So I think they've done a better job here. They're not taking um, some of the, maybe the stretches you see at other schools where they're just trying to match up and they're not having to, you know, the first year, a lot of the transfers they took were kind of bridge players to bridge gaps in recruiting um, from changing systems over. So you, you needed, you know, a couple of wide receivers. So you take a Marquez Ezzard or you take Miles Sims cause you need help at corner or you take, um, some of these other Antonis Clayton, cause you just need an older body defensive end and we're rolling a dice there to see if you could find that spark from him that made him a five-star prospect. These guys this time around are a little more um, ready to play. I mean, Kenyatta Watson was playing at Texas and should have played more. Um, I say as a guy who watched a lot of Texas football, Devin Cochran's a guy who was a starting left tackle in the SEC and was one of the better ones and the conference, you know, Nick Penley was a guy who got squeezed system-wise out of Mississippi State, had been penciled in as a starter, had that staff stayed there probably uh, for this season. And then um, you, you get Keon White, who was a kid at Old Dominion that flew under the radar but was just a freaky athlete. He fits in well. Like, you look at that defensive end position now, man. They've got Jared Ivey, you have Jordan Dominic, you have Kyle Kennard, you know, now you have Keon White in that room. You know, freaky athletes right like guys that 
have size, have and some Kevin weight. Harris too. Yeah, and Kevin Harris, who they picked up, I forgot about from Alabama. So you, who's mm-hmm. a, a bigger body guy too? So you have a mixture of size and and pass rushing ability and kind of some freak athleticism. Jared Ivey's a freak, man. You look at him; he's got giant arms and tremendous motor. Kyle Kennard and Jordan Domic are sort of cut from the same cloth. Kennard's a bigger version of him. Just guys that find a way to get after the quarterback and have some really nice pass rush moves. And I was, you know, a little on the fence with him. And I'm I was really impressed with Kyle the more I saw of him this year. And so you begin to like what they have there. They still got to develop the defensive tackle position. You would have liked to have seen them pick up somebody. The problem is like the guys who come out, Miles Pinkney or Jordan Williams or whoever, that's a dog fight to get one of those kids, man. Like those kids are juggling picking schools that are going to play for championships right now and uh, have a good history of developing D tackles at NFL. Those that's the, and so you're going to have to, that's always going to be a problem at Georgia Tech. They're going to have to develop that inside the program. That's going to be a thing where you need to sign eight, nine guys and redshirt them and develop them over time. And uh, they, they seem to be kind of go embracing that approach to it. Um, they got Jonathan Brooks coming back for another year. So he should be able to help um, bridge a gap a little bit. They'll get TK Chemezda back. So I kind of like where they're at. Um, defensively, I feel like, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do with guys like Tariq Carpenter long-term. Where does he fit into the defense? Um, and then kind of just how these young defensive backs all fit in. Got to see a lot of Derek Allen uh, at the end of the season. He showed some some nice spark guy plays with a little bit of edge on him too, which, uh, you know, has been missing, I think a little bit in that secondary. That's a little chippy. Um, him and Caleb Oliver kind of bring that element to it. And then you have Wanye, who's sort of the freak athlete guy back there. And now you've had Kenyatta, you have Trace Willing back. You have Zamari Walton, who's my unsung hero guy that I think will play in the NFL. Um, he's like sneaky good, sort of like DJ White is the comparison I always make with him. The, a guy that was under-recruited, underappreciated for a lot of his career, but I think will eventually make some sort of play that will be a signature moment like DJ did against Georgia. So when you look at all of it, I think it was a good class. It's not – they signed seven, 16, 17, whatever it was. It's not going to get you high up in the rankings. Um, no. Unless you're yeah, – uh, you yeah. know, Miami or Texas or someone signing eight five-stars, like it's just going to be hard to be up there like – I don't. I mean, I think people. It's unfortunate that that was sort of the expectation, because uh, I tried to walk it back. I felt like going into this year would be a little bit tougher with the numbers game, starting to catch up with them and not having. They've turned the roster. They've turned two thirds of the roster over pretty much, from the last staff. So it's like, at some point, you know, that catches up and you got to slow down. And that's sort of where they are now. They took guys to bridge some of those middle positions middle years and then um and transfers and then they have the small class they signed and hopefully 22 will be a year where they can sign more guys but you know it remains to be seen we're going to see what happens with the fallout of the portals like too with all these kids in it yeah man the 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 transfer portal is um it's been a blessing and a curse like it's been a it's been a real blessing for programs like georgia tech and, you know, other high academic institutions that, that can't really utilize the, the JUCO level of football and um, can't find plug-and-play type guys that have two to three years of eligibility. They've been able to find kids that have been, you know, starting at schools like Maryland, Northwestern, and, and schools like that, where they, they were having an impact in the game, but they also saw that that was – those times were changing, they were diminishing – and, you know, as time progressed and time went on, you know, they both decided, uh, you know, this is obviously about Ely and uh, Kyrick McGowan, the uh, Dalton running back slash receiver, but is going to play receiver at Georgia Tech. Um, what they were able to do is they were able to find new opportunities. And, you know, by taking these opportunities, these, there's 2021 kids all over the country. I can think of, you know, 10 in the state of Georgia right off the top of my head that aren't being able to, to kind of get the, the opportunity to really be recruited. Like I talked, I talked to a top 75 kid in the state of Georgia for the 2021 class yesterday. And he said, one of the schools recruiting him the hardest was Kennesaw state. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, it's weird. I mean, you look at the, 
look at Brody uh, Rhodes, who they picked up as a preferred walk-on quarterback. He was in that squeeze, right? There was no summer camps. There was – then you had this whole thing where these kids are staying in the portal. So you went from a kid that probably would have ended up at a Southern Miss, you know, Arkansas State, you know, Western Kentucky level program. And his offers were kind of like Army, Kennesaw, Furman, the, that level. So it was probably about a step below where it would have been a year ago. And Georgia Tech gets him as a preferred walk-on. Um, yeah. And you're seeing a lot of that, um, you know, whether it's Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, um, Clemson, Georgia. They're starting to get some of these kids that would – what I would call like an eighties walk on. So back in like the eighties and something Paul Johnson, I used to talk about when he was at Georgia Southern, he used to steal all kinds of kids because no one knew how to recruit. And you could, there was no film, like there was no DVDs. There was no huddle. Like you had to get physical film of like whole games cut up or whatever. You had to physically go to a school to get it. So like these smaller programs, Valdosta state, whoever would have, um, great players because Western Carolina, like they would have all these kids because people wouldn't come recruit these areas. Now it's sort of a situation where these schools just filled up. They filled up on a combination of transfers and signees and all these kids have kind of fallen through the cracks. I've talked to several and so's Russell that are blue shirting at places uh, or gray, you know, gray shirting and just trying to, you know, pause their clocks to start next year. Like, all kinds of funky stuff that you don't normally see anyone even talk about at this point, but their sort of hands are tied. Um, and they were smart enough to commit somewhere early enough where that, that school feels obligated to find a spot for them. But there's a lot of kids kind of falling through the cracks right now. And you look around and you're seeing, I saw a kid that transferred from South Florida who was starting there. I uh, thought he had all these options and he's going to Nevada. He's a kid from Tampa. <laughs> You know, like, and I'm pretty sure yeah. when he, that was not his goal to go to Nevada when he entered the portal the other day, but the feedback he got was sort of mediocre and he wasn't like an all conference guy. He wasn't some guy that could move up. Um, I think you saw it a little bit with a Marion Brown. He did not have the opportunities. I think they thought they would have when he entered the yeah. portal and he ends up at South Carolina in a weird situation because he committed there and then, Mike Bobo just left to go to Auburn. So that's yeah, sort of they just, fascinating. Yeah, they just chose their new uh their new offensive coordinator, supposedly. Who's that? Uh, they're gonna take some take somebody from the uh, Carolina Panthers, Marcus Satterfield. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Bobo's trying to act quick. Um, but you know, like you said, I think a, a lot of what's going on in the the transfer portal and, and really in recruiting in general right now is um these kids are getting really bad advice. They're, they're, they have these people in their – I, I call them bad apples. I don't know what everybody else calls them, but they have bad apples in their family and around them. And these people are, you know, telling them and hyping them up, telling them they're so much better than they are. Um, when, when in reality, you, you kind of just kind of have to have that talk. You know, if, if you're not getting playing time at you know, a school like Georgia Tech or, you know, someone else at a Power 5 level, you're probably not going to find another power five opportunity, but these kids, like they're, they're entering the portal. They're thinking that, you know, so-and-so is going to hit me up. I know this coach, he hit me up when I was a sophomore and, and like all these different types of connections and stuff. And then they see the the followers come on their account from like these junior colleges and, you know, Air, Northern Arizona university and schools like that. And they're kind of like, Oh, this is what I did. And a lot of these kids, um, you know, like the University of Arizona, for example, they are the, those all those players who entered the portal when someone left, they were very lucky that the the new coaching staff decided to take them back because you know once you enter that portal, they don't have to honor your scholarship. It's been funny to see some of this stuff, like you you mentioned, and I think about um, like one of the things that's been been kind of funny to me to watch is like some of these kids enter and like they're not playing like you said a, a certain school and they're going off their idea that my rivals are 24 7 or whatever ranking is and those offers are what is going to be on the table and the reality is it's like when you buy a car i you know just had to buy a new car for my wife 
we drove off that lot, that car depreciated tremendously. Even if you buy a used car, you lose all this depreciation on it, right? It's the same thing in, in football. Unless you were, you know, some sort of exotic built car that's special made by somebody like your, you know, Devonta Smith or, you know, Trevor Lawrence or something. And you decided that's one thing. 99.9% of these kids are not that right They're And very yeah. few of them are going upward when they transfer out unless they were playing and starting. So like you saw like a guy at Wake Forest, like Kenneth Walker left and went to Michigan state. Well, Kenneth Walker was one of the top running backs in the ACC this past year. So sure. That makes sense. But, you know, a buddy of his transfers out, he might be going to Furman or the Citadel or something if he's not, if he's not careful. Or Toledo, yeah, where we see a lot of guys go. Um, he, you know, Russell has buddies up in, that coach up in that way, and they're always, like, wondering who's out in the portal, who's coming up, and asking little background questions on some of these kids because, like, they're looking, they're hunting, they're trying to find something. If you're at, you know, I've had buddies at, Austin P or Chattanooga or whatever in or Western Carolina and they'll ping me and be like, Hey Kelly, what's the deal with this kid that's in the portal or what's the deal with this kid that's transferring out? And, you know, luckily, you know, I'm going to try to help the kids as much as I can and be honest, but like, that's sort of where you're at, man. Like a lot of these kids end up in East Catawba and all these weird like Juco schools and, odd parts of Mississippi and Kansas and Texas and Florida. One of them, the ones in Florida is like in a strip mall. Like, I mean, it's a far cry from being in, you know, Chapel Hill or, or Charlottesville or whatever and flying charter planes from, you know, Atlanta airport where you got the police escort on the bus to think and instead you're taking a bus to play a blood money game against michigan and you got you know 30 guys on scholarship or whatever that's a you know it's such a different animal man and like the people advise these kids are morons a lot of the time like you just want to shake them and be like what are you doing like get your degree and then go somewhere or whatever like dude i don't understand it it has been one of the great uh mysteries to me like you know, every coach I know is honest with these kids, right? Like if you go into Brent Key's office right now and you're whoever, you ask him what he thinks of you, he will tell you exactly what he thinks of you or, you know, someone else on the staff, like at Georgia Tech, they will tell you where you stand. And if there's a guy that's maybe going to be sweet talking a little bit, you can still go find Brent Key or someone like that will tell you exactly where you stand, you know, like with the Marco or whoever, is going to tell you this is where where you are kid this is where you can go you know i've been around player x y and z this is how you compare against them and if he laughs when you ask for that comparison that's a big big problem yeah and so but a lot of these kids are kind of full of themselves man and you know it runs both ways too man like sometimes coaches miss on guys or squeeze guys out they shouldn't squeeze out or whatever but for the most part um, if you're not playing within two years and you're not a defensive lineman or offensive lineman, you should probably write out your degree. Like, you know, unless yeah. you're a quarterback, like quarterback's sort of the one exception where I think everyone moves around just to try to find an opportunity, but it's, uh, it's been pretty funny. I remember a kid left from USF a couple of years ago as a quarterback, he was a backup quarterback. And he was like, oh, I'm going to go find this opportunity. I'm going to go do all this and that. And I think he ended up at Northern Iowa, maybe. Like, I mean, it was somewhere like that. It was down in the FCS level. And, well, you know, it's not, it's not a bad thing, but you're probably op- – he thought he was going to play in the NFL. Like, he legit thought this. And I was like, you're not playing at USF where there's not really – so a guy who's okay ahead of you is not all conference or anything. So like you need to figure out what your expectations are for life. And and if it's just, you want to play football, cool, go do that. Vad Lee did that from Georgia tech. He left and wanted to go be the guy who went to James Madison, had a great career. And he works as a, he works for like the FCA now or something as like a motivational speaker or something. 
you know, great kid, but like, cool. That's what he wanted to do. Right. Not everybody wants to do that. Not everyone gets to play in the NFL percentage, very small percentage. You get to the NFL and a very small percentage of those dudes make it, um, make it beyond, you know, a year or two or some camps or whatever. So yeah, it's Um, just, I don't know. It's one of those weird things about covering Georgia tech. I've seen this over and over and over and over again. I can count on one hand, the number of guys who left Georgia tech and went somewhere else and became like a superstar or even, I would say even a starter. Um, The, the only one that pops into my mind, right. Parker Braun and Diedrich Mills, Diedrich Mills left for reasons beyond his control. And Parker left as a grad transfer. That's two guys out of probably 60 that just I'm thinking of off the top of my head right now. Like it's just the, the, the hit rates terrible. The hit rate for even incoming transfers is not great. So, uh, yeah. you know, people need to, this is like, I try to calm people down about the linebacker from Maryland. They did not sign junior Seau. Like no. this was not, you know, Jesse Tuggle no. or, um, you know, Von Miller or something. This is a guy no. that played a little bit that, you know, has some uh, a developed body and can play special teams and can come out and give you a guy who can compete. And that's what they needed. They yeah. didn't, you're not going to, they're just, you're not going to find that just like the kicking thing. People ask about signing a kicker to us all the time. It's one of the most popular questions, right? Russell? Yeah. About 20% of my mentions. So we went, I went and pulled the kicker list, right? There were five. One of which was a guy in California that certainly was not going to come he was leaving like USC or something. He was not going to come to Georgia Tech. The other four were all sort of mediocre or former walk-ons. Like there was no Harrison Butker in the portal. That, and that kid, if by the way, if he's in the portal, he's going to go to Alabama or he's going to go to Ohio State or he's going to go to some other place where he can win a championship. If you have a guy like that, um, they're going to go to those places because that's what they can do, man. Like you got to develop those things in-house. You got to they have enough kickers on campus to find somebody can kick. Like there's no reason to go out of their way to, to try to add a transfer unless it's through a walk on or it's a unique opportunity. So. um, Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I would say with, you know, getting touching back on, on Ely real quick. I mean, the thing that Ely can do is, you know, he can, they can, he can cover. They can they to to play in coverage. It's something that he did well in Maryland. Uh, something that you know it, it seems like he would be able to fit in and do. You know he can cover up passing lanes, and like I said, they can they can trust him out there in coverage. Um, like you said, he's not Junior Seau. He's he's, he's not Dave, he's not David Curry. I mean, he's, he's a totally different type of player. And, and obviously, depending on which jersey number he picks, whenever when he gets to campus and all that, he'll get compared to whoever had that number before him. But you know that type of ad in the transfer portal is the exact kind of ad that an SEC school or a Big Twelve school or even you know some Big Ten schools would add at the junior college level before this whole transfer portal thing exploded. And those are the type of things that go a long way in building a program, because you know, say for example, it's you know a, a third down in a big game, and you've got him out there. Some so and so got ejected for targeting. And but you know you can count on him, so you call a certain coverage and you make a you blitz, and you get to the quarterback because he's covering the tight end down the field. And those are the type of things that, that win games, but don't really get get talked about. Um, and I think the only two really signees, well, other than you know Makia Scott from or Makai Scott from uh, Gainesville, the one who was at South Carolina. Um, opted out when Muschamp got fired and then ended up entering the transfer portal shortly after. Um, the, we, we haven't talked about, you know, Caleb Edwards, who is another one who will be on campus here. Um, I think within what 72 hours at the time we're recording this on Thursday night uh, and, and Sarad Bryant um, with, with Sarad Bryant will enroll in the, the summer. Um, but, but with Edwards, Edwards is a guy who, you know, he wants to come in and compete. Uh, it's going to be tough to to compete at the the level he wants to compete at with the amount of depth that Georgia Tech has at the position. 
Um, but, but Edwards feels like, you know, he could really is going to start out at the nickel position uh, with the way his, his body's built and the way he plays. And he's, he's going to work. He's going to work. And he's going to get there in spring ball. He's going to compete. And, and that's, what, that's what he's there to do. Um, Edwards, I think, eventually, you know, could fill back into the, you know, the Tariq Carpenter or the Juanya Thomas role in the defense, um, depending on, you know, whether or not they come back or you know, what happens with Derek Allen and who else they add in the 22 class. And, and I think that's something that, you know, doesn't get talked about enough is right now these, these kids that are being added to the class, like they are at the same level of eligibility as the kids that signed in 2020, which is the, and a whole nother mess that, you know, of roster management, as they like to call it, that has created a mess because, you know, everybody talks about Jeff Sims, Jameer Gibbs, and, and Jordan Williams, and Jared Ivey and Kyle Kennard. Well, guess what? All five of them are still true freshmen. Yeah, it's one of those funny things. Uh, I think I gave you the count the other day. I believe they had 39 freshmen that are technically all yeah. in the same boat um, in terms of their class separation. And that's going to get it got to get addressed somehow one way or the other. I, every coach I know, whether it be at Georgia tech or somewhere else has complained to me at least once uh, since signing day about how messed up this is and how unfortunate it is for, for the kids because it's just sort of a mess that they're going to have to sort out. It's sort of like, you know, you you put out one fire and then one sparks next to it. And they tried to put out the fire of the eligibility piece. And then they created this other mess where technically Georgia tech has like no seniors next year. Um, it, theoretically, like everyone could just come back, you know, yeah. and the, they have the five kids that don't count against the cap, but obviously you're going to have kids leave guys graduate. That is one nice thing about Georgia tech is you have situations. Charlie Clark's a great example he had job opportunities, right? So he's going to go do those instead of play football. Like he was interviewing for jobs during his senior season and his resume is getting passed around and that's cool. Like he knew he wasn't going to play in the NFL. He had several pretty significant injuries and was like, you know, I've played enough football. Like I'm good. Let me move on and do this other thing with my life. And, you know, that's that's one of the nice things about here versus some of the other schools that Russell and I have covered where you see kids get arrested or let me knock on wood here Um, (laughs) um, or whatever happens like things and they just flame out and don't, you know, most of these kids go to school, they get their degrees and, you know, maybe it doesn't work out the way they wanted to, but um, ultimately uh, it's, it's going to be, a situation where you're you have eventually now that things have settled down there should be a lot less roster movement for georgia tech they're not going to have 19 kids in attrition they should not going forward like they had this year or this year they had 22 or whatever it was like that shouldn't happen it should be much more to what it was with coach johnson and coach gailey and o'leary even before that where you had between five and 10, 15, maybe at the high end of kids leaving. And you have to kind of budget your scholarships a little bit. And it's going to be something the staff, I think it's one thing you're going to see going forward here now is they're going to have to be better at the early evaluation process and, and making those decisions earlier versus trying to find spots later for a bunch of guys. They're going to have to really be pick choosier early on and not not get in the situation where you want to guys to find other spots or you're recruiting over someone because you have to, or because you don't like how they've developed. And it's a, that's a tricky situation because you're almost making those decisions a year out. And right now it's even harder because you're not seeing any of them in person. So this 2022 class can be really fascinating because of no one's put eyes on them. Right. Like I, you know, i I am probably the last person um, in our little circle to see like any of these kids in person. I was at a camp in February right before my son, my second son was born. And I saw, um, I was in Florida and saw a bunch of recruits and a lot of underclassmen. And that was basically like one of the last, if not the last 
basically camp like that that there was. There have been a few things since then, but nothing on that level. Like rivals no, camp, no one's had anything on campus, or there have been a few kind of smaller things that I've been to where you know, or people on our network have been to where you see a few kids. But I mean, normally Russell and I would have spent you know, much of the summer traveling and all the spring going to stuff and all that shut down. And it's the same for the coaches, right? Cause they do those same rounds that we do. They just don't get to go to the camps. They go to the high schools and see each kid individually and they'll hit hundreds of high school, hundreds each. And they can't do any of that right now. They've been off the road effectively for, uh, you know, come the end of this month, it'll been a year uh, since anyone has been on the road, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, because they had the, the dead period before signing day in February last year, and then they never and got then, back. Nope, and I don't expect them to have a spring evaluation period from everything that I'm hearing. So it's going to be really interesting to see what what the – hopefully hopefully we get to a situation where there's summer camps. That yeah. would be um, sort of the best-case scenario, and – it sucks because there's a lot of kids falling through the cracks right now that I think I can think of so many guys that Shaq Mason's like the greatest example of that. I remember he came to a Georgia tech camp and you know, they were on the fence about what to do with him. He had an offer, I think from Tennessee tech or somebody like that. And they watched him in like two reps and he just mauled two guys. And it was like, okay, uh, we've seen enough. That's funny because I think Trey Braun was at that camp too. Parker's older brother started for several years at Tech. And even Trey looked at him and was like, wow, that dude's really good. You know, like, um, but it was just, you know, like there's those moments, right? Like he was a kid from a small town in Tennessee who turned out he's still playing in the NFL. Like there's a lot of stories like that. And those kids are going to end up at some weird places now because of all this. You're going to see – you already see in the NFL guys coming, you know, the, the old Jerry Rice story, like, you know, at these weird colleges, you're going to see a little bit more of that. I think in about four or five years, just from this COVID year where kids yeah. missed out on opportunities and didn't get seen by anybody. Either that or they will, uh, enter the transfer portal after three years and be smoking red hot. All conference. Yeah. Um, be like, I think, you know, that, I said it's going to be like Nick Saban's poaching kids from Alabama State and, uh, you know, like uh, Southwest Missouri State and East uh, Kentucky, (laughs) Eastern Kentucky. And because there's all these kids that fell through the cracks that no one saw. Like that's a, that's a whole other, there's a lot, there's a lot of fallout from all of this stuff, man. It's been hard on all of us. And um, yeah, I'd agree. I think um, for 2022, uh, the staff already seems to be being, you know, much more selective. Uh, you know, in 2021, there were some kids that, that wanted to commit early. You know, they told them no. They ended up going elsewhere. They ended up, you know, signing it. I think it, most of them went to, went to Louisville, actually. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> just, it's just, you know, things Along like with that, half you of know, Georgia and, Southern's roster that transferred there, too. Yeah, um, but you know, looking back to the the 2020 class and and the the early commitment from from Eddie Watkins really still stands out to me. Um, I think he still ended up at the Power Five level, um, but that was an, an early eval that they saw. They had it at, at a camp. They went off of that, and then you know, camp and 11 on 11 are still two different things. You know, at rivals we we value the camp setting and we value the football 11 on 11 setting and Eddie Watkins for example was really good at the camp setting but when the pads came on when the lights were on and the popcorn was popped it was a whole different thing well there was a great example in this class of that um that you're probably alluding to a little bit uh and a certain offensive lineman yes and you know the the progression wasn't there but I don't see that happening in, in the 22 class. I think that, you know, this is going to be a class where, you know, fans can start to see the importance of the relationships that the staff's built, especially 
depending on whether there ends up being turnover or not on the staff, which is, you know, a weekly mailbag question for you. <laughs> but, you know, whether there ends up being turnover on the staff, those relationships that they've been able to build, you know, inside the state of Georgia, inside the state of Florida, even into Tennessee after getting Greg Carroll in 21 and into Alabama, you know, those are the relationships that you know, they're going to need. But, like, the future cast I put in recently for uh, a certain offensive lineman in the Birmingham area, four-star offensive lineman, um, you know, Riley Quick, you know, landing him would go a long way in showing that this is, you know, that class. You know, the 2020 class ended up, I think, 25th after Zach Evans signed with TCU because they were at 24th before that ended up happening. And it was, you know, hyped up as the with the top class since 07, right? 07 mm-hmm. was a big, big class. I think, you know, the 22 class, there's a lot of hype about. And if there's going to be hype around this time, you know, there's going to need to be results on the field, number one. But then again, there's also going to need to be results on the in the recruiting class. Like, these relationships they've built, you know, they can't lose the recruiting battles that, they were losing in 2020 or when they first got here in, in 2019, like those are the recruiting battles that they need to start winning. Like you can't lose a recruit to South Carolina. If you're Georgia tech, you can't lose a recruit to, to Auburn's new staff, at least within the first, I would say several months, you know, signing day comes along and, you know, booster X wants to come in and, you know, change things around at Auburn and get things done. And then there's really nothing anybody can do. You saw what happened with Gus Malzahn there just, you know, a couple of weeks ago. You know, that they'll pay any check they need to, to to do what it needs to for their football program. Yeah, it's going to be um, sort of an interesting, uh, a weird, a weird situation. I mean, um, this is sort of the the time where the losing can catch up with you, right? Like the struggles the first two years to win games on the field. Um, the first two cycles, you could sell a lot of hope and, you know, we're changing things. And now the roster's turned over. So now's when expectations start to go up. And that's going to be really a fascinating thing for me to watch this year is watching how Coach Collins manages his expectations. Does he make changes? If so, what are they? Are they staff changes are they schematic changes practice changes changes in how they do things organizationally you know those are all the things i'm sure they're being looked at and discussed right now and um you know the way i look at it is this is year three this is where he starts to prove what his program is right and so you've got to he's got to block out a lot of the outside noise on his end and do whatever he thinks he needs to do to win and to move the program forward, um, whatever that is. And that, you know, we all have our opinions. I have my opinion. You have your opinion. Every one of the board certainly has an opinion about it, <laughs> but at the end of the day, there's one guy, right. That makes the decisions. And that was something that rightly or wrongly, Paul Johnson was very strong at when he was there. He, he felt a certain way about certain things, even if it wasn't maybe even, totally based uh, I don't want to say in reality, but if he had blinders on to certain things, right? Everyone does. Every single coach I've ever dealt with has, you know, Mark Richt, Charlie Strong, Willie Taggart, you know, Jeff Collins, Dave Clawson, all these guys I've wor- worked around, worked with, been involved with, have relationships with all have different person, you know, Brian Bohannon, uh, Jeff Munkin. They're all, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. So it's, this is the time where you start to see some of those things come to the surface as you've installed your program, you've installed your expectations, you have whatever leadership structure you want in place, and now you've got to win. And um, it's hard. It's, winning's hard, man. Like that's the one thing every coach will tell you, no matter who you play. There's very few weeks where Georgia Tech will line up and, you know, 1 through 85 totally overmatch the team they play. And it's the same Alabama, man. Like you can't roll that a out there, the Alabama a out there and win some games. You got the GTT, GT, GT, right. right. You know, like it's just different. It's a different animal, man. Like you can't lose focus and have a Citadel game. Like 
you know, you can't play down like they played against Syracuse. Those are the things that people want to see not happen, right? You didn't see a lot of that with with the previous regime, and I don't think Chan even did a lot of that where they would play really badly against um, an inferior team. They would knock those teams out. And, you know, that's the thing that um, – I think that's the first thing that you can see that'll be consistent. Getting to a bowl game would be huge. Um, and if you show those signs of growth and you continue to have player development and guys, you know, obviously Jameer Gibbs when healthy is one of the top, you know, five skill guys on offense in the ACC probably, or is going to be yeah. before it's all said and done. Right. Um, especially now with like Lawrence and a lot of these guys uh, matriculating out. Um ETN. Yeah, I mean, yeah like all those guys yeah. are all the guys that we vote, you know, I vote for the all ACC teams and all that stuff. All those guys I've right. voted for are, are gone, right? And so now you have Jeff, who's going to be a sophomore quarterback, technically still a freshman. Um, you know, what do you see from those guys? You're seeing the development from yeah. Brent Key. You're seeing, you know, Marco Coleman's group. Larry Knight's done actually a really nice job. He hasn't, he didn't inherit much of anything. The, he had one really tremendous player. The poor young man passed away. It is one of the saddest things I've ever dealt with in Brandon Adams. And But that was it. That was all he had. Like, he had him and some random guys that were guys who'd be five, six on the depth chart at most schools, and they were five, six on the depth chart here. And that's what you were working with. So they had all kids, and those kids are getting older now. You got Lockhart and – Jaquan Griffin and and Daquan Dowse are going to be, you know, three plus years into their program. You had to start getting some stuff from them, you know, like all of these things have to, you have to see progression because as Jeff Collins has said numerous times, this is a developmental program. You got to develop talent. That's the cornerstone of everything. Right. So this is the thing that they can sell in recruiting, right? You turn, uh, Nate Cottrell into a guy that's somehow playing in the NFL, which is shocking to me. And I love Nate, but I would have never thought in a million years he would ever be on an active NFL roster. Like, cool. That is a great thing. You know, Jalen Camp will be a really interesting test case for them if they can somehow get him into the league. Uh, a guy that's doesn't have the greatest tape in the world, has good hands, not an elite speed guy, not a, a guy that gets tremendous separation. Um, but he's an interesting player. Like he's a guy who probably should have been an H back. So, you know, when you start to, to fool with all these various elements of it, uh, you know, as you can, you either got to win or put guys in the NFL. Right. And yeah. uh, putting guys in the NFL will only get you so far. Cause there's been, a, we know plenty of coaches have been fired. We put plenty of guys in the NFL that, Miami's got a whole list of them since Larry Coker that have been fired that put plenty of guys in the NFL, right? They, they couldn't yeah. win. They've won one division title and, you know, since they've been in the ACC, you got to win the league's not super hard. North Carolina is really good. And the rest of the coastal is not. So like you should be able to be very competitive in the division. Um, you have two n- tough non-conference games coming up this year. Let's see what they can do. You know, like what you don't want to see is another Clemson game where they lose 70 to seven, or you can't lose like they did to Georgia two years ago. Like that's, that's going to be the stuff that it hurts them the most in recruiting and with the fan base going forward. So um, that that's where the wars will be won right now. Cause like Jeff wants to recruit against Auburn and Georgia and Clemson and Notre Dame and yep. So when you play those guys, you got to hang with them. They hung okay with Notre Dame. That was not a terrible performance in so no. many ways. Like the, they just missed some opportunities and it, it got out of hand. Um, yeah. But it wasn't as ugly. The Clemson game was clearly like a, a grudge or something. Or I think more of it was from reading what Trevor Lawrence said that they they had a weird game plan on defense and it backfired horribly. And that ended up with the, the lopsided score, but um, and whatever else was going on off the field, but um, <laughs> you know, like oh, in these days, bow. man, it, it's uh, there's you know, this is the time to build some positivity, right? And now you got to 
And then you got to turn that into wins in the fall because you got the Ray Guy Award thing that happened Thursday night. You got Presley Harvin winning the Ray Guy Award, which Presley's a tremendous young man. I wrote the first recruiting stories ever about him, um, you know, five years ago. Uh, I was just looking back at one of them, and he was the first commitment of the 2017 class, which people bitched and moaned about endlessly at the time. Why are they taking a punter? Why, they, why is this the first commitment? It was like March of 2016 or something for the 2017 class. And it turned out to be first a one. player. Yeah, he was the first one in the That's class. Funny. It was very funny for a while, like until they got their second commitment. Um, the complaining was, was quite extensive. And I remember like watching his video and be like, you know, this dude really strikes the hell out of the ball. Like, and it made a weird sound coming off his foot that I had not heard before. Like, you know, it was like a doof. You know, like, and um, see, there was some thighs, a special player. It was just hard to tell. Like, he just didn't look like any punter you've ever seen. Yeah. So so stuff like that, man, he's got, you know, Jeff knows how to play the media game. He knows how to do, he's very good at all of the other stuff. Now it's time for it to coalesce on the field. And he's, you know, did an okay job at Temple and has all this history as a coach. Like, you got to put it together now and make it work. And um, that's the thing. Every, the thing is like the interesting thing about Jeff is like really other than like some real diehard Paul Johnson people, everyone would like to see him do well. Right. Like no one's like pulling against him per se, at least within the Georgia tech bubble. Now when you get outside of that, I think a lot of people would like to see him fall on his face because it would be good for their recruiting and they'd like to see Georgia tech fall back and not be a competitive program because for their own advantages, if you're outside of that bubble, if you're North Carolina or South Carolina or whatever, you're probably pulling against him. But most everyone else is like, you know, they want to see this work. Like, so use that energy, man, and like make it work and be really the, the, the biggest thing to me that I've seen them struggle with is something you talked about out of the gate, which is the early evaluations and getting too high up on a kid from what they do at a camp or what they did, you know, in a very specific thing and not getting too oversold on an Eddie Watkins or an Eli Ritchie or whoever it is early on. And then that not really panning out on tape and then trying to have it back out of that a little bit. Like, um, you know, yep. if it can be a little bit more selective early in the process now, I think you can get into that situation too, where you can maintain the top 25, even if you're not signing a 25 man class, because they're not going to for a while. Like maybe when this next glut of freshmen come out, that'll be a 25 plus person high school class. But until yeah. then we're going to see, it's going to be between like 17 and 20 every year, probably for a while. And yeah, I would- I would, I would agree with that. And then you're going to have however Maybe many if, transfers you have, you know, like three, four. Yeah. It's not going to be as many as we've seen now either. That's going to tamp, tamp down as well. Yeah. So um, I, I would agree with that. You know, you're not going to see seven or eight like you saw this year. It'll be, you know, four maybe. And it'll be opportunity pickups like a, a guard, a Nick Penley or – Devin Cochran's or the Keon Whites, it's not going to be, or the McCown kid who we haven't even talked about the slot from Northwestern. Uh, yeah. It won't be the, you won't see as many Miles Sims kind of where they're just trying to find some bodies to, that are talented kids that are local that they can bring back. There's just not going to be as much of that. And also uh, you're in a situation where they were turned down by those kids now. So it's like a little different too. It's one thing if Jeff and them didn't recruit the kid at Georgia Tech and they're coming and you're Derek Allen and you're like, hey, you know, I'd like to come back to Atlanta and cool. You're a really talented guy. We need, you know, a bigger bodied safety. Great. Uh, It'll be a different thing if it's, you know, the kid that turned them down. That's like Derek Allen that went to Notre Dame or wherever. And Yeah, Kari G. Yeah, exactly. Kari G's going to, you know, like, Kari G calls him up in two years and is like, I'm not happy. <clears throat> I'd like to come back to Atlanta. They're probably not going to be that inclined to, 
to make that move, you know, unless there's some, unless there's just a real need, right? Like at that position or something. So, and there shouldn't be because they've done a nice job of kind of balancing out the roster. It's one of those funny things I talked about on the board. Like somebody asked why um, more of the running backs haven't left the program because you got the four main ones. You have Gibbs and Mason and um, Dante Smith and and Jemias. And they have Devin Ellison and Tony Emerson, right? Well, you need six guys to play a season like at that position. Like that's what your roster number is to, to begin with. They're at what their sort of minimum is. So, and Gibbs is technically a freshman. So it's like, you could take one. They could have taken one if one was going to leave, but that's sort of the minimum where you want to be at and trying to, they're trying to get into where they're actually in their roster management piece and not have, you know, they've gotten away from the 13 running backs and all that. That's, that's all done now. Um, you know, the only thing they're short on at the moment, I would say is they're down one quarterback, but that's more of a class separation thing. I, more class separation driven than anything. Cause you have Sims, who's a freshman again, and you have Jordan Yates, who's technically a redshirt freshman again, and then Peary. So you have three guys who are all basically the same class and it wouldn't make sense to add an older kid that would come in and like that just doesn't because they're not going to play over Jeff probably. So yeah. like, I mean, unless, yeah, unless it's like a local kid who kind of wanted to, uh, I don't know. Well, that's what they got in, in, in the Rhodes kid that I talked about earlier is a walk on, like they got yeah. a local kid, you know, so that's a fourth guy. And, but you don't like, uh, you know, there's not really a huge upside to go in and take in chase Bryce or whatever. Like, what does that give you? Nothing, you know, it's just eating a scholarship sort of like how much is it going to play? So if if you feel okay with the eights or Peary being a backup quarterback, then you, you you might carry one less quarterback for a year or two as you figure out some of your other spots. Cause technically they're at 85 right now anyways. So, um, you know, I'm sure they might add one or two guys before it's all said and done, but you know, whether that's another high school kid or two, or if it's the transfer portal, I think after spring at this point. Um, yeah. I just, there's not a huge, there's not a lot of cap room now. Like you're sort of stuck against no. your cap and you know, that's, a, that's an interesting piece of all this is, you know, that roster management thing, this is where Patrick Settis is going to make his money. Like, He's got to manage the roster. It's it's sort of like how you manage it in the NFL. You have the salary cap. You have your 53-man roster, right? But the trick is balancing those things. You know, in college, you have 100 and whatever roster, plus you have your 85 scholarships. And it's working those and getting the separation and all that stuff that's going to make or break your program and along with your player development piece. So, you know, you got to hit some home runs. You can't just hit singles and doubles you got to hit a couple triples and a couple home runs and it'll be interesting to see what those are you know um we all knew how gibbs how good gibbs was we had an idea about jeff sims um you know you and i liked kyle canard or or you like kyle canard i actually wasn't as big on him and we both liked ivy and they've turned into to be pretty solid right um so what are the yeah, you like Jordan Williams really early too? Yeah, so you know, like, what's the who's who's going to be the who are going to be those guys in this next class? You know, I like Leo Blackburn. I like uh, Blackstrain. Those two guys to me are two guys that I immediately kind of circle. I'm like, these are guys that could help them in, in the short term um, immediately. We've Russell and I have been having this conversation um, quite a bit lately, just about the freshman class coming in. You know, obviously the punter from Ireland will have an immediate role. Um, You you hope you hope he wins the punting job. That would be quite bad if he didn't. Um, Yeah. uh, You know, other than that, you start to look at it and you're like, "Eh, you know, Caleb Edwards. Okay, he's probably going to see the field somewhere. Just from number standpoint um, and his talent. But I don't know where else you, you know, 
where else the freshman freshman this is might be more of a year where a lot of them richer like you know maybe weston yeah. franklin becomes the backup center you know like yeah i could see him or leftwich becoming like a backup tackle but i don't you know i don't see any of those guys starting like um so yeah i agree it's going to be um, – the spring will be interesting. They're going to try to play it. Jeff Collins spoke about it on Thursday that he's excited about hopefully getting the spring in. And, you know, I think they have a tentative date in mind for it and are hopeful that all systems will be go for spring football. And praying that we can be there somehow. You know, that was the toughest yeah. part of my job this past uh, year is – really from well, the last 10 months is not being able to be at practice or be even on campus a whole lot to see what's going on and get the vibe and be around the staff. And, you know, coach Collins, we talked about in our presser, he's like, I want to see you again, Kelly in person, you know, like I don't I'm sort of tired of, <laughs> he said he was tired of de- deciphering my office and zoom and my guitar collection. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, I mean, we were all sort of stuck this way. Um, you know, I haven't seen a lot of them face, you know, I haven't seen, you know, any of the players or coaches in person really since mid-March, right? And um, that's weird. It's weird to to do our jobs and not be around the, the kids. Like Russell's not been to a camp since – Yeah. Shoot, you haven't been to a camp since probably the summer of 2019, right? Yep. Yeah. So, because I went to two, you were supposed to go to one, and I was supposed to go to one, and then all hell broke loose, and all of them got canceled because um, of COVID. After all of them, I was getting ready to get on a plane to go to Dallas, um, and everything got canceled like a few days before that. It was like yeah, you were the awfully close Thursday. to going to Dallas. It was Wednesday. I was leaving on Friday night, um, or Saturday, leaving Saturday. Saturday morning, I was leaving to go to Dallas. I was going to hang out for the day in Dallas and then do the camp on Sunday and fly back. And we canceled the camp. I think Thursday afternoon. Yep. So. You know, that was uh, 10 months ago almost. Yeah, it was about 10 months ago because it was like the 7th or something like that in March. So, um, you know, I appreciate everyone's uh, patronage during all of this. It's been a tough time for all of us. We've all had our ups and downs dealing with this stuff. But, um, you know, we're going to try to get back in the podcast groove. We have some cool stuff planned for this year on Jackets Online. As always, we've expanded things. We have three new contributors um, adding stuff to our site this year. We have uh, Seth Griffin doing his coaching breakdowns, uh, film breakdowns. We have um, Alex writing features. Then Bronston's doing uh, some Olympic sport coverage for us just to add a little bit of a different element. And then hopefully at some point, Alex and Bronston can help kind of backfill um, some of the football stuff if we get back to the point where we're back on campus a little more. Um, and then Russell obviously is doing his thing and, you know, every year we try to get better at jackets online and uh, hopefully 2021 will be a lot nicer to us. We've made huge strides in the last few years and we're looking forward to making even more and building the site to be up bigger and better and better and, uh, hopefully less intense on the message board front, uh, more enjoyable. We're your local bar. We're your local hangout. If you haven't subscribed, give us a shot. Um, you can always hit me up on Twitter or whatever. I can give you a little bit of a special deal if uh, we're not running a promo at the time and you want to give us a shot. But and Do you have any final thoughts, Russell, you want to share? We kind of went on a no, lot longer think... than we thought we would. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm surprised I'm still awake. But um, <laughs> honestly, you know, like I think you kind of covered it all. Um, you know, it's a exciting time for for us on Jackets Online. You know, just just seeing the growth. I mean, just from year one to year two, uh, seeing the growth on the message board, the the constant communications, like the people talking. 
like I remember when I first uh, when we first like joined forces uh, when Collins got hired I would get on the board maybe I don't know, once every few hours just to check and see if anybody asked me any questions or anything and other than that it would really be kind of just you know you handling things as they came along now I find myself checking the board you know maybe five to ten times an hour and that's not even like an exaggeration you know because there's so many you know conversations going on and to be honest with you I'm not involved in a lot of them and, and I don't mind that because you know we have we have designated threads for for things that other people may not want to talk about, you know, like the Braves, the Hawks, politics, COVID, <laughs> things like that. Those things carry themselves, man. Like I think our COVID threads are like ten thousand posts or something insane. Like it just, you know, yeah. they just go on their own. Or the politics ones that like, yeah, it's at nine thousand posts, and you know, like hundred thousand plus people have looked at it and it's sort of ridiculous to see kind of how some of that stuff just gets carried on its own. But um, yeah, it's just been sort of a wild ride. I mean, um, it's been a wild ride emotionally for all of us too, through all of this and not the uncertainty and getting through a football season and yeah, what that's looked like. Kids at the same time. Yeah. You know, having kids at home, having uh, working from home, um, having, uh, you know, in my case, my spouse working from home uh, and my baby home with me all the time has been an adventure um, in and of itself. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, um, we just want to keep building and, and making it better and, and better for you guys. And that's why I always ask for your help to spread the word and get people to sign up. And if you haven't signed up to join, because you know, we provide the best coverage of Georgia Tech. We're, you know, the AJC might have some more cool, might have cool features. Or the guy from the Athletic, who I don't think's ever stepped foot on the Georgia Tech campus, might cover some stuff. But like, it's not the same as what Russell and I do, man. Like, we grind, dude. I was talking to Russell the other day. I hadn't like posted a story in a while, but I had been busy doing all of this other stuff, like off the site that was like all this background stuff that has to be done and dealing with the message boards. And it, it's just funny, like how time consuming all of that is. And then we have our other adventures that we get into um, with our other sites. And so it, it's just, uh, it's, um, it's our own little piece of insanity. And uh, we're always looking for more tech fans to join up and, and, you know, it helps, man. Every- passwords stop using group messages yeah like don't be dming your buddies like all our inside info and that nothing drives me crazier than that stuff it's just like totally unnecessary like it's the cost of a damn starbucks coffee my wife spends more at starbucks in two days than the cost of jackets online and i'm sure all of you are the same or your significant others or whatever or you spend money on you know downloading some game or something on your phone, you know, like or rent a movie from Redbox or whatever it is. Like, you know, you can afford it. It's not the end of the world. You're not paying for a newspaper anymore. Like no. just join in and and get your news where everyone else gets it first on Jackets Online. Yeah. Uh for for Russell I'm Kelly Quinlan. We're gonna say goodnight. Uh and you guys will be listening to this on Friday.